Yeah, bud. Yeah, bud. Welcome back, friends, to the Joe Blow Horror Show, old and new. We are coming at you with another Fireside Chat bonus episode, and a little bit of a different episode this week, eh, T-Boo? We're we're blessed with another guest. I believe you might know this one. Yeah, I'm a little bit familiar. We, on the previous episode, we had... uh, the other member of the coven. So now tonight we are graced with my wife, Angel. How you doing? Not not sleepy. Not sleepy. Angel. Not sleepy. No. One eye open, crushing trulies. <laughs> no. Uh, no. It's don't stopping. be judging. Don't oh, be shit. judging. Now, hold on. We got yet. shit. No. <laughs> well, yeah, that's him over there throwing out fucking fastball answers. You don't know what she's drinking. All right. Well, this is, oh, dare we throw a little teaser early on? This is going to be the last fireside chat. Wonder what's coming afterwards. I don't know. Maybe Mm. stay tuned to the end. I don't know. Mm -hmm. Uh huh. This should be episode 49, I believe, right? Yeah. Four, nine. Do something special for episode 50. Ah, that's cliche. We're just a. Central Iowa country blumpkin and a swamp monster. <laughs> Essentially, yes. Essentially. Don't talk about my wife like that. <laughs> hey, how cold is it there right now? Last time it was really bad. Yeah, last time I was freezing my nuggets off. It was actually not bad today. We're in the 60s, a little bit wet and rainy. Speaking of uh, uh, swamp ass and, and moisture, uh, Tibu. Are you, you've seen this movie before, correct? Oh, tonight's movie? Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I've seen this film. And this movie was chosen by your wife, Miss Angel. And the movie we are covering <laughs> yeah, tonight. Yeah, she like it very much. That's me. Yeah. <laughs> is Ex Machina from 2014. I'm excited to get into this. Uh, it's been a first-time watch for me, but before we really get into the movie we got to figure out where all these bikers are going yeah they're all heading in the same direction and anytime i see chrome rubber Get it, 
is the worst selection pussy in half. Give us an upper on our best selection of pussy. This is a pussy blowout. All right, we got white pussy, black pussy, Spanish pussy. Okay, so for this week's drinking pleasure, we have a friend of the show in Lua Brewing. This one is a mosaic IPA and it's called Slimothy James. So I'm a little bit excited because it's what's considered an imperial or a double IPA and it's coming in at about 7.7%. Uh, so got a little bottle here. My wife picked me up uh, a couple of their brews for my birth birthday. So we're going to tap into this one here. Hmm. It's a little bit, uh, it's, it's definitely hazy. I can tell just from the, through the glass that it's a different color. Uh, um, what do you got going on, uh, you, you fine fellers? Well, I'm, I'm drinking an old trustworthy Abita Andy uh, Gator. It's just a, a brew that we have here in Louisiana. I've, I think I've mentioned it on the show. Yeah, poor that hazy fuck. I don't, I don't know what the hell Andy Gator is. Is this an IPA? It's no. a it's a Hell's Doppelbach. Ooh, Hellas Doppelbach. Hellas Doppelbach. Nice. I drank yeah. up to that. I was in Seattle over the weekend, and I drank probably twice my body weight in beer each day. And my body is obsessed <laughs> with German beer, so it was all pillars, pillars, pilsners, the the Hellas Doppelbach things. I don't. It, it was it was a nightmare. Indicator says. Um, that it's a fearsome beast. Don't let don't let his toothy grin, slightly sweet flavor, and subtle fruit aroma fool you. This cold blooded creature is a Hellestoppelbach that can sneak up on you. A unique high gravity brew is made with Paul malt, German lager yeast, so some German in here, and German pearl hops. Uh, sip, don't gulp, and taste the wild of a beta Andigator. Fun fact, that is the strongest beer that Abita makes. Really? Yes. One large can will knock me on my ass. Really? Huh. Well, well one would think Tibu was drinking it for the high alcohol content, but some a little bit more in the know would probably think that he was attached to it because of it said pearl necklaces you're drinking or something, or what was that? <laughs> don't don't gulp sip it enjoy yeah. it that's right yes this is uh, a very good beer what, what about you angel um i have my leftovers from my vacation three weeks ago <laughs> because i stuck but this is all i had in my fridge it is called sparkling sake wine it Ooh. is gluten-free who makes it Social. Social, yeah. Hmm. And um, it it's four percent, a whopping four percent by volume. <laughs> hey man, and it's, you know, nice. It's crushable. This cucumber, it's refreshing. There's nothing wrong with that. A, I've never heard of a sparkling sake, but when you throw hibiscus cucumber in there, that makes it almost sound like it's a nutritional drink. So. <laughs> It's it's gluten free, organic, eighty eight calories. Dang. Look, you you're supposed to drink sake warm, by the way, for anyone out there. But this is a cold sake, all right? You, you can, can drink sake warm or cold. This you're thing smells like smells like pineapple, kind of. 
It's really, That's nice. a really weird smell to it. I'm going to open this. Pineapple juice. I bet crack this it. smells like cucumbers and hibiscus. Hold on, Hold on. crack it in the mic. Yes. Yeah. It smells like flowers. Okay. Mm-hmm. Pungent garden aroma. Fresh cut grass. How's it taste? It's not, over, it's not overly sweet, so I like it because sweet stuff makes me sick. Yeah, a lot of those seltzers are are like the White Claws and Trulies are not too sweet. I saw a no. meme that was pretty hilarious. Someone was like describing, someone was like describing the taste of like a White Claw, and it's like if you're in, uh, it's it's like you're you're drinking white TV static, and in the background <laughs> someone whispers, <laughs> Yeah, 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 kind of. We've seen a bunch of those those fucking memes where they're making fun of Trulies and White Claw and yep. shit. That that shit is funny. It tastes like like ice farted or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Excelente. And with that, we are going to get into our feature review of Ex Machina. Same way we look at fossils. Hello. How do you feel about her? Oh man, she's amazing. You're impressed? <laughs> yes. Do you want to be my friend? Of course. Now the question is, how does she feel about you? Do you think about me when we are together? Did you give her sexuality as a diversion tactic? This is your insecurity talking. This is not your intellect. Fine. Did you know that I was brought here to test you? <laughs> Does Ava actually like you? Or is she pretending to like you? Nathan isn't your friend. I'm wrong. Wrong about what? Everything. Do you want to be with me? Can we talk about the lies you've been spinning me? What lies? What lies? You have to help me. You have to help me. What will happen to me if I fail your test? Okay, so Ex Machina is a 2014 movie. I, I saw 2014 and 2015. This may have been a limited release. Do you yeah. know offhand? Yeah. So limited release, wide release, 2015. This was rated R. It's 108 minutes. What did this get on the B? On the B, probably like a 8.4, 8.5. 7.7. What about the Rotten Tomatoes, the tomato meter, the critic score? 92%. 100% accurate. I know that for uh, yeah, I knew that one though. I've seen that one a oh, few okay. times over over the years. Sure. Okay. W- I gotta be fair for Drunk Darius because I know he's listening and he's like, he, right. he fucking knew it again. You fucking cheater. Here's one that was. I wish I would have read this after I saw the movie because I think it's gonna be a 
it could be tricky. The budget. What do you think the budget of this was? Uh, probably around seven to ten million dollars, cheap, very low budget. Million. Fifteen. Okay. Well, I would have. Yeah, I would, with all marketing. the CG and everything, I would have guessed like double that. I would have guessed like thirty million. Really? Yeah, just because the CG, everything was like perfect. I mean, I'm not a big fan of CG in movies, but if I had to say one thing about the CG in this is that it was flawless. Yeah. There's multiple points throughout the movie that, yeah, it was, it was, I thought that alone. Plus, I mean, there's some big name actors in this for the most part. So they, I think they became big a little slightly after this movie came out, like right on the cusp of this movie. I could be wrong yeah. about that. I don't yeah. know. What Actually, no, I got it. Yeah. I, I do got to pump the brakes on that and realize that this was probably not made until 2013. So yeah, you're probably right with that. But, but to, to your credit, um, I do think that Star Wars came out the same year that this got a wide release. So Oscar Isaac was kind of everywhere at that yeah. point because he was in Force Awakens as right. Poe. And um, Donald Gleason was also in Star Wars. He was on the dark side. Yeah. So they're both tied into the dark side, uh, uh, <laughs> the Star Wars universe. Same year that this other science fiction movie comes out this more much more low budget or not art house uh just psychological science fiction movie came right out. yeah and not to get too much into the details of that though just just i think someone watch if you just showed them a couple scenes of the ai and the robots and just how clean it looked they'd they'd be like yeah that there's some money put behind that it was very well done for the budget of 15 yeah. we can say yeah. Oh, I agree. I agree, especially with the CGI. I, I think I think we we do need to state if you haven't seen this film, the CGI is ever present when it comes to one of the main characters, and there's only like three people in this whole movie. So it's you know one of the main characters is an AI, an android with AI, and she's mostly CG. I guess I didn't look into the behind the scenes stuff. But when you see her body on camera and the effects that are going into it, it, it is pretty flawless, I, I got to say. Yeah. yeah. The behind the scenes thing, like she has the bodysuit on where just like the, the torso part of her neck. Oh, motion head. capture. Yeah. So $15 million budget. What did this do in the box office? Oh, I know. Worldwide I know box office. Worldwide. Oh, man. I don't know. I'm going to go domestic and say it doubled its money. Worldwide, I have no idea. Yeah. Well, I should say that maybe that was domestic, but it's 36, 37 million, we'll call it. So, yeah, it doubled this money. I know uh, it was successful it for what it was. Yeah. So, this is directed by Alex Garland, who may be more well known as a writer, but as far as his directing creds, uh, you know, Annihilation was a recent one, but he also wrote Dread, The Beach. He wrote 28 Days Later, Sunshine. Those who uh, uh, maybe recognize those movies would probably gather that he's an Englishman, a Brit, British, and he's from the old Isle of Britain, eh? Isn't he? <laughs> you know, bollocks. I'm going to write me a movie about AI, and I'm going to have it try to fuck Donald Gleason. <laughs> oh man, I can't wait to talk about some parts of that. 
but he's he's very talented. He doesn't have a lot of directing credits, but he's pretty solid in what he does. But he's a very talented writer. I love, well, obviously, I love 20 Days Later, but I like Sunshine a lot too. So there's going to be some parallels here as far as with the casting of this as well. So this main star is going to be Alicia Vikander, who plays Ava, but she is probably known more for the man from uncle Jason Bourne. But what I knew her from was Tomb Raider. Funny story, double D isn't here, but for his birthday, like four years ago or whatever it was, he, he made everybody go see Tomb Raider at the theater. So this is like, me and my wife, my mother-in-law, tons of us sitting there watching Tomb Raider. So yeah, she's a dimey dark hair, as we call it on on the Joe Blow Horror Show. So she's pretty good looking. This is also starring Donald Gleason, who, yes, he's Brendan Gleason's son. Yeah. I mean, everybody should know who Brendan Gleason is. He's he's a fucking a great G. fucking actor. He's a G, yeah, yeah. So he's Got ties to in Bruges, Alex Garland. Yep, but he's also that, in Twenty Eight Days Later. I think that's kind of maybe where the tie comes from with this as well. But yeah, Donald Gleason in his own right is a pretty decent actor. As Tibu said, he was in uh, The Force Awakens. He was in the True Grit remake. Uh, he was in Judge Dredd as well too. Black Mirror episode, Revenant, and he was also in Mother. And I want to emphasize he was in the movie Mother because I think we'll be drawing some parallels to that here in a hot tick. And then lastly, we already talked about Oscar, Oscar Isaac. Uh, uh, real quickly, Donald Gleason played Caleb in this. And then the last main actor is Oscar Isaac, who played Nathan. Um, more recently in Annihilation, so you can see there's a relationship here between every one of these actors to Alex Garland. And he was also in Triple mm-hmm. Frontier, which is a really good movie. Both of them, ironically enough, are Netflix movies, Annihilation and Triple Frontier. So I haven't seen Annihilation. Ooh, that one's pretty good. That got a oh, lot yeah. of buzz two, year, two years ago, I believe. It was on quite a few end-of-the-year lists. Yeah, I would, I would say that is probably in a lot of people's top 20 of the 2010s. I would go that far. Wow, really? Well, I don't know about a lot that. Of people love it. A lot well, of people love it. Yeah. A lot of people love it. I love it. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it. I mean, since it's such, since it's on Netflix and it was just promoted so well, you, you know, there there may be some more truth to that. I guess I could see more where Tibu's coming from. So, anything you guys want to add about the, I guess the the specs of the movie, production wise, all that um, stuff. I, I well just just to say I mean yeah the reason I, I went with the uh, lower budget is because it's all one location however right. well shot and and well constructed this location is you still you're still very you're isolated the whole movie it's it's basically a cabin in the woods movie if you want to take the horror slant right yeah uh, because this is a horror podcast and some people would argue that Ex Machina is not a horror film rather it is on the fringes. <laughs> I'm glad. But, yeah, keep going. I I totally think this fits the bill for a horror movie, especially a cerebral or psychological horror film. And given the final act of the movie, I think it goes full blown into slasher yeah. territory. To That's a, degree. a total nightmare. I mean, yeah, it's a lot yeah. of people's fear. I mean, 
Right. And, and I will take a minute to, I will, actually, I did have that in my notes and I glossed over it, but I did want to bring that up. I was curious what your guys' thoughts are on this as far as genre classification. And I, and I personally was going to reach out because, re, well, before we get into myself, along with you two, your genre classifications of this, I would go as far as saying that I would venture most people would not consider this horror. So, you know, right. I would consider it fringe horror at the very most. So keep that in mind. I mean, obviously, you know, we're coming off the heels of Fido and, and, um, <laughs> um, audition, audition. Yeah. So, so yeah, this is going to be a big step back from that. So, I mean, with that, I guess we can hop into the movie itself. So I hadn't heard about this movie. Honestly, I really didn't hear about it until Joe Rogan. He talked about it. It's one of his favorite movies. Endlessly. He talks about this movie. Yeah. yeah. yeah he, he loves it. So I'd always heard about it, but I purposely tried to distance myself from any kind of plot synopsis or summary. So, you know, Angel said that she wanted to watch this. I was like, awesome. I've been looking for an excuse to watch it. Went in. Um, personally, I don't know that I would consider this horror for me. I would say that so much of the movie, maybe, I mean, you could definitely make an argument for the last part of the third act, possibly. But I would say at the very, very most, I'd call it like a, almost like a psychological type thriller or just like a thriller kind of, you know, there's, I'll, I'll say yeah. that there's really no gore. Uh, it's not really scary as far as jump scares. Mm. No uh, jump scares, but it might be scary when your brain starts thinking about the possibilities. But for me, I would, you know, I would say fringe horror, um, you know, we've done some fringe horror on here as well, too, like The Good Son and what's that that slasher or the the serial killer movie we did? Oh, um, uh, Zodiac. Oh, Zodiac. Well, yeah. I, I wasn't I wasn't a part of that episode, but right, uh, right. But but yes. Um, but I'd that, put it in that vein. As far as it's it's a stretch, but I have no problem. You know, people calling it horror and and you know, even yeah. I'd be like, it's fringe horror as well. But what about me, you guys? Like, yeah, if something like Possessor is a horror film, to me, this reaches the same sort of cerebral area that Possessor does. I think this movie, I would classify it as a psychological science fiction horror film. And I put the horror in there at the end because, yeah, I, if you say it's on the fringes of horror, then for me, that's horror, man. If there's enough horror in it to say it's on the fringes, I'm, I'm on board and throwing it in the horror camp. Some things get thrown in like that, like like Annihilation, his other film that was on horror list. Right. That movie's no more. <clears throat> excuse me, that movie's no more horror than this movie is. At least, I mean, some of the imagery, sure, but it's it's again, it's cerebral. It's the it's what you said, what your brain starts to think about, what 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 where your mind wonders, the possibilities, yeah. the implications of what's possible because of the actions that are taking place between all the characters. Um, for me, yeah, I, I would consider this a a slight horror movie, but it's 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 a horror. Right. I, I would put it in the horror camp. As far yeah. as just with, 
I just feel it's necessary because I know that there are some people that will say that this is not horror. So I wanted to just throw that disclaimer out in that, you know, depending on your own personal. As we go through. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I'm more on the side of it's a psychological thriller. Just a, but I mean, at the same time, it gets your gears turning on. Uh, it could be a reality someday, you know, in the future. On <laughs> <laughs> the like, but we're gonna be overrun with sexy fucking bitches. <laughs> yes, <laughs> taking over the fucking universe. <laughs> that Sinead O'Connor short hair look she had just didn't do it for me. So what? Just didn't I'm do it for me. I'd bang that robot. Yeah, you'd you'd stick it right in her pleasure sensor. He told him that, man. Nathan <laughs> I said thought it was it, gonna but... go there. Yeah. Like he the said, first you, time you... I saw it, I thought it was gonna go there. <laughs> he said, You could fuck her and she'd enjoy it. <laughs> I was like, Oh goddamn. <laughs> That's mighty bold of you to assume uh, that that ten second thrill ride would be enjoyable, but you never know. <laughs> oh. Okay, so a, a little trivia here, which well, Tibu is going to get a chuckle out of this because there's going to be some context here. And some of our more keen listeners might get it. But Oscar Isaac used Bobby, Fl- Bobby Fischer and Stanley Kubrick as inspiration in this role, citing mysterious and elusive geniuses. So when he was trying to figure out how he's going to portray Nathan, that was his inspiration, if you will. So I thought that was kind of interesting. I'm not going to lie. To me, he was the most bro genius of all time. Yeah. The moment, the moment that Donald Gleason shows up over there, Caleb, uh, at this compound in the fucking mountains, the first time he sees Nathan played by Oscar Isaac, he's just wailing away on a punching bag. And he's like, immediately, let's drop the act and let's just be dudes, yep. man, and, and starts yeah. drinking beer and shit. And I'm like, damn, this, this genius is pretty legit. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. There with so I think that one of the interesting things with this movie is gonna be what people what they pull from it, if you will. The the themes, the contexts. I'm interested to see what your guys' correlations to certain things are. One of the main things, however, is gonna be there's multiple references to nuclear bombs, which is not a main theme of the movie, but there's references to, uh, well, there's an orchestral song that's playing. It's called the Enola Gay. Mm-hmm. Which Enola Gay was the plane that dropped the nuke over, I believe it was Hiroshima. Yeah. There was a Robert Oppenheimer quote. Robert Oppenheimer was the designer, if you will, or the engineer of the first nuclear bomb. Uh, I am become death. Yep. I am become death, the destroyer of worlds. Here's another thing for you that I bet neither of you knew. This is an A24 film. Yeah, I knew that. Oh, well, fuck me. I forgot that. This this is the first A24 film to win an Oscar. Yeah. yeah, For visual effects. (laughs) Yeah, I saw that. No, Get Out won something. Oh, yeah. Or it was nominated at least. Yeah, no, I think Get Out won something. Why are you hating on A24? What the hell is this? I love A24. I love yeah. it before. Come on, well, you're, bro. Well, you're weaner out of the pleasure sensor and focus here. So, All right. <laughs> <laughs> when asked about when the film takes place, Garland said 10 minutes from now. 
And what he meant by that was if Google or Apple were to announce Ava, people would be surprised, but really not all that surprised. Yep. So that's, you know, I think that this movie is going to be very poignant until that happens. It's going to be very relevant. You know what I saw today? I saw uh, this woman reunited with her deceased child via VR. And as I was scrolling, I saw that. I was like, whoa, that's amazing. And I kept scrolling. That's where we're at. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. where we're at, folks. That's I don't if, like if, to read about a lot of that stuff because it scares well, the crap out of me. I didn't want to read about the I didn't want to read the article because I didn't want to get sad because the kid was dead. But my whole thing was is I'm I'm kind of backing up what Alex Garland is saying basically is like we're kind of Look, the Pentagon admitted that UFOs are real and no one cares. Exactly. Not aliens. Yes. We're not saying aliens, but they said, yeah, UFOs are real and we don't know what the fuck they are. I was out of my mind for fucking like, like a week. And I'm like, how is this not – you got these fucking stupid main media outlets that are more concerned about a tweet the president did than the fact that there's fucking aliens flying ships out there. Or something flying ships out there. Well, that we have no idea what right. they are. Yeah, I mean, nothing is out of the realm of possibilities anymore, and nobody really gives a shit. Yeah, I mean, we're just in the matrix, anyways. So, cosmic indifference. Right. Yeah. Right. Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you what I'm not gonna uh, uh, tip my hand as far as my thoughts on the movie, but I'm gonna need some help keeping this reined in because I took more notes on this movie than I have for any other movie in the history Whoa. of the Joe Blow horror show. So hold on. Why do you need help being reined in? More notes means you have more direction. Well, I'm, you should see my I'm, fucking notes there, bud. Got the okay, most substance well, in his I've notes. Got, I've got notes, but it's just, it's just talking points. Yeah, um, that's all mine are. I'm just saying because there's so many different tangents and shit I went off on. So I watched this movie last night, and I watched it before bed, and my brain was just all over the place, like thinking about things and scenarios. And I went back and I watched a couple scenes, and I just started writing shit down. And, yeah, I, I spent my day today looking up certain things, and, yeah, it was – it was crazy. It kind of consumed me. So I'm excited to talk about it, but I'm not tipping your hand. I'm not tipping my hand. Okay. So I'll take that with a grain of salt. At least uh, I both have like fresh watches. I haven't watched it in a, it's been a couple of years. Yeah. I'm going to say uh, prior to this, I, I, I scanned through the film. Uh, I didn't watch the entire thing, but I've seen this movie at least five or six times. Um, since it came out so that's me tipping my hand angel has already said that she loves it she picked I've it i've seen it so. three times i didn't uh, the first time i watched it was in 2016 so it was way after it came out so well, it's just uh, a year babe oh yeah 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 it was still fresh it came he, it that's was a 2014 true. limited release 2015 wide so right. 2000 you know it's one of those fucking deals and this tends to happen with horror and sci-fi uh, they get out on the festival circuit, these lower budget movies, and get a big word of mouth, get critical acclaim, like this yeah. movie did. Get people excited. And then, yeah, then they blow up. Hereditary did the same thing. That's how Hereditary became a big hit. But um, no, okay. So are we? We're gonna dive in. 
Yeah, yep. So I'll just give a quick little plot synopsis here. So Caleb is a young programmer who works at essentially Google, we'll call it. Uh, Hold on. I want to see how close ours is. I'm going to, I'm going to read that my first sentence of my plot synopsis. Okay. Caleb is a programmer for Blue Book, a search engine who is summoned by the company's CEO. Yeah. That's my I'll first, let, that's my first. I'll let you, I'll let you just keep going. I'm, I'm fucking you up. But no, no but I, I was, I was going off the cuff. So isn't that cool that we've got the same, well, I, I wrote, I wrote it, but it's, we've got the same, same exact fucking starting point right there. Cause well, the movie does start with, we're introduced to Caleb, this talented programmer working for the most popular search engine in the world in this in this movie, Blue Book, and he is summoned. I I, I chose the word summoned um, by Nathan, the CEO of this company, to his secluded mountain home. This yeah. home also doubles. <laughs> well, he he supposedly well as as far as and and we will. I'm going to go ahead right now and say if you have not seen this movie. I would highly recommend watching this, whether it's not a typical horror movie. I think this is because I, you know, we talked about this last week, how I know for a fact, there's quite a few listeners that aren't really necessarily big fans of the horror genre. This would be a great movie to get into. You could, it's rated R, but it's really not that bad. You could show your wives and people who are squeamish. There's no, it's not really scary. It's not graphic. I would, definitely check it out because this movie built its foundation off of I would say um, swerves and misinterpretations until the third act so. well yeah yeah and, or if you are however afraid of like existential dread um, a fear of not being able to control your own destiny and it being out of your hands and that type of stuff really fucks with you yeah, this this is the movie for you. Go ahead and watch I, at it. At its core, it's like AI seduction. <laughs> the so. sexual element. But you gotta be you gotta be attracted to like uh, like like Sinead O'Connor or Hey man, I know or whatever. Yeah, the short hair. <laughs> Mia Farrow from Rosemary's Baby. She puts on a wig at the yeah. end. Yeah, she just got some wigs. I don't like the I don't like the wig. <laughs> I don't. You like that like, short hair? You want me to I cut like, all my hair off? I mean, shit. I, no, I, I like I like it whenever there's fucking like circuitry and blue lights and shit buzzing oh. in there. And, oh yeah, <laughs> that's what gets all, that's what gets Tibu excited. All those like, whirring noises whenever she moves her neck or something. Yep. It's like ring, ring. I'm like, yeah. I'm gonna put, yeah. put some Christmas lights on tonight. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. So um, this this secluded mountain home. Of, of Nathan also doubles as a research facility with enough fiber optics to reach the moon and lasso it. So there's like an underground part it's of massive. this. It's yeah. The, the movie does a very good job as far as the opening scene in that there's not a lot of dialogue, but you understand that this guy is a billionaire. He's, he's, he's a recluse. He, well, yeah, when they're flying in, uh, Caleb's on the helicopter flying in, and he's like, when do we reach the estate? He said, he asked the uh, helicopter pilot, and the guy's like, ha, 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 we've been flying over his estate for two hours. So the guy, like, Nathan owns this entire mountainous range. Like, he owns the whole area, so. It's massive, yeah. Yeah. His reach goes far. And when, when Caleb shows up, this place looks like a, not dumpy, but it just looks kind of like a little, 
It's like a mm-hmm. berm home. It's all earthen. And one cool yeah. thing is, is that's actually a real hotel in the Netherlands, I believe it was. So it's it's a legit place. It's a real hotel. That you yeah. Have. Yep. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Wooden shoes and everything. I love I love the humor that is through, like laden throughout this movie because right at the beginning, Caleb walks up to the the front door and the the intercom says Caleb Smith. He walks up to it and it's like a put place your face in front of the panel and he looks at it all fucked up and it snaps a picture and that's, that's the picture. Badge. Yeah, that's his badge for access throughout the the, the the home and research facility is this stupid face he was making. Yeah. I love it. Dude, and a lot of the walls, once he goes inside, though, you see are made of glass. Glass house, glass walls, biblical references throughout. I, I, when you said mother, that is a correlation I never made um, throughout the years of me loving both of these movies. But – I can, in a way, see the, the parallels very much so. Hey, Nathan biblical is... references in Ex Machina? Oh, just you wait. I am going to unpack this, and it's going to blow your tits off. I don't remember any biblical references in Ex Machina, so. Well, it's, I mean, Nathan's God, you know. Uh, uh, yeah. Is humans. It, I mean, yeah. There, there's, there, but but it's humans recycling God. I mean. And that's what this whole movie is. It's it's the next step. Uh, I, we were talking earlier, off me me and Angel off off the show, about uh, the futurist movement and people like Ray Kurzweil who've been writing about this kind of shit forever, mm-hmm. reaching the singularity, the point where AI switches on and becomes conscious. What does that mean for humanity? This movie's exploring all those themes. Skynet's coming and we're fucked. It makes you think, and it's scary. Yeah, if, Sky, if Skynet's a reality, then yeah, we are we're totally fucked. Kyle Reese ain't gonna fucking save shit. After I watched this movie the first time, I YouTube like AI robots, and then I really got scared because I saw what they were <laughs> just saw all kinds of shit. Boston Boston Dynamics is making all this shit, and I think they just got bought by the government. I think they got bought by Great. the government. I don't. Ooh, that's scary. Yeah, or they got they got purchased by someone. I don't know who, but it's it, you know, look, Probably man, we're, government. we're we're. We're tampering with shit. Human beings always be tampering, trifling, atomic bombs and everything. Skynet's going to, it's Skynet's going to initiate itself, and it's going to wipe out half the population by just like attacking the fucking Tesla cars, driving them into <laughs> barricades. Yeah, it could bring planes down. So that's just thousands of people dead every fucking hour. Oh, I don't know. Scary. I do a lot of flying. You know, I. I I was, as I said, I was just in Seattle. Like the shit that goes through my brain when I'm on an airplane. Oh, don't even talk to Travis about that. He flew I've for only the ever, first time a few years ago. Yeah, I've only ever flown oh, once. Lord. I would do it again, but I'd still be afraid. But um, it's because, you know, we're not supposed to be there. We're not supposed to be in the, when you're sitting in a plane, you're not supposed to be there ever. If there was no planes and technology, your body would not be where it's at in the sky, traveling at that speed, doing what it's doing. So the very fact that you're not even supposed to do that is is fucked up. To well, me. we're also not supposed to be in a three thousand pound steel box going eighty miles an hour over pavement either. So you're you're goddamn right. It's all amazing if you really just. I, I've I've been trying to live my life like this for years. Just look at the world and be like, God damn, man. I mean, but this then they like crazy. you know they talk about the odds too, like. You know, the odds of an airplane crash are a lot, like, significantly less compared to you getting in a crash in a car. 
Yeah. What are the odds that you go to a secluded mountain research facility and want to fuck a robot? Dep- depends on the size of her pleasure sensor hole. In this movie, I think the odds are pretty good. Because Nathan has up his sleeve an AI he has created. He's been working on this shit. And the whole point of bringing old Donald Gleason down there, old Caleb, is to get him to sign a, uh, what's that, a, a non-disclosure agreement? Non-disclosure agreement, NDA, yes. Mm-hmm. And at first he's like, I think I need a lawyer for this because it's, it's pretty intrusive. It could access his everything in his life at any point in time for yeah. like the next year or any, two years. Any audit, like they could just go and at any point just audit everything he touches, whether it's his own personal or public or whatever. Yeah, they can go through his email, text, anything. But uh, Nathan charmingly convinces him like, yeah, man, you know what? You ain't got to sign it. We can just drink, shoot pool hang out and a year from now when this breaks the snooze that or the thing i'm working on you're going to regret this for the rest of your life without a moment's hesitation the temptation turned him over to sign that paperwork and he inked he he sold his soul you know so there's 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 illusions i i now I'm, I'm it didn't take much i never drew the parallels but now that you say it i'm like oh i can see a lot of a lot of things now. Um, oh, just you wait. And so, at, at any, any, I want to know your thoughts. You got notes on any of these points so far? Like this whole opening, babe. You got something to say, Angel? He's he's kind of douchey. I mean, oh, he's very narcissistic. Oh. Nathan. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, he's in. Yeah, he's I mean, like but I mean, I guess people on the planet. So, if you live on a remote mountain and you make right. all this cool shit. I guess you you can be whoever the hell you want. So, yep. yeah, and he I can don't bro down that. for sure, right? All the time. That's why he got that smart, so he could just bro out whenever he wanted. No one could tell him anything because he could like prove them wrong with his just. And he'll crush them with his mind and then crush beers. But he fits the stereotype. His character, his portrayal or portration, is exactly <laughs> that. So. <laughs> Look who's classing it up. Yes, sir. Uh, this is uh, a film we watched tonight. <laughs> yeah, we watched a film tonight. <laughs> but, yeah, I, it's he, it's very, dare I say, stereotypical, but in a good way. It, it's exactly what you'd expect from a narcissistic billionaire that lives by himself in the middle of fucking nowhere. Right, trying hard. to be cool with this dude, but you can tell there's there's such a disconnect because he – he can't. He's just socially awkward. He just can't. Yeah. I, well, I don't know. That made I me a little uncomfortable. But, uh, they, but yeah, they, he's supposed to. So. Yeah. he's. We, we had watched some um, special feature stuff for some behind the scenes. And they were pointing out how both of the characters try to kind of one-up each other throughout the film in subtle ways with their intellect. Watching the film, I kind of don't see that as much. I um yeah I see I see more so the sort of the acquiescence of Caleb's character to Nathan but all the while he's being shrewd and being deceitful because he so well uh, to elaborate on it a little bit further and, and get kind of get into the the main meat of the plot um Caleb meets Ava he's brought there to evaluate he, he's going to conduct the Turing test, which is it's where a human has to identify 
whether or not the AI that they are interacting with has a consciousness. So he's going well, to determine actually, So the Turing test is whether a human can recognize the fact that they're interacting with an AI or computer. Right. So, okay. Well, I got it. I got it. I got it slightly fucky, but yes, yes, that that's basically he needs to see if it, is this, is this for real or is this, can I still tell that this is a, a machine? Yes. So yeah, that was played out so well too, because you can tell when he's like hitting points with her and he can tell that it's AI and then it slowly transforms into something else where he feels sympathy for. She shows sympathy towards him when he talks about his parents getting killed when he was young. She yeah, also. Yeah, but not because she had feelings. Well, no, actually, but how to pull his strings. But for, so, but for him, it was, it was a, it was a signal that she was able to right. relate sympathy. Right. So we're, we're, we're getting into spoiler territory now, but yeah, the, that was the one true form of emotion that she had, because as we know, we're, we're going to spoil it, but she, and she's manipulating him the entire time. But when he said that story and, and explained to her that, yeah, my parents died in a car crash. So that was like maybe one of the only true forms of emotion that she had that wasn't planned and, and, manipulating caleb yeah right. and, and she had also and you uh, could, threw, no go ahead she threw a joke at him using his own words and to him that was like oh that's that's subtly complex he said the fact that she could do that and it was to him a little bit unexplainable for an ai yeah so essentially caleb is there he learns because he wins this quote-unquote coding competition to go and see his reclusive boss. He gets there, signs the NDA and learns that yes, Nathan created an AI and he is there to deliver the Turing test, whether or not this passes as true AI. And I do want to say right, right before he meets her too, he walks into the room where she, he and her are kept between a glass wall. She has her room and he's in his interview room. He sees that the glass wall has cracks in it yeah. and that is your first indication in this film and the music, the tone of the movie, everything shifts slightly that's to where it, up. yeah. And, and I think that's where the tension in this movie starts to build. And I think it just from that moment on with the colors, with, with everything, it just continues to build tension to where you don't, oh, and, and it's what the care, it's what Nathan and Caleb discuss with each other. And you're not sure who to trust. We, we just spoiled it, so it's kind of, you know, it's kind of right. lost. We're kind of backtracking, but, but it's important at this point to explain that this movie takes place over seven days, and I'm going to get more into that in a minute as well, too, but it, it's seven sessions with one session per day, so it's over the course of seven days. So he's there for a week. He has a week to administer the test. At the end, he's supposed to tell Nathan, did she pass the test, yes or no? As far as with Nathan himself because there's a bit of um, a dichotomy as far as who's the antagonist and who's a protagonist in this movie. And I would venture to say most people would consider Caleb the uh, protagonist. Is that correct? Or I meant, meant the antagonist or no, no yeah, protagonist. the protagonist. Yeah. I would consider him our, our, 
not hero, but our the person we're on this journey with. Yeah. Yeah. It's, the movie sets it up that way. Yep. So right. I'm going to argue against that here shortly as far as that goes. But the one thing that it does a good job of is in the first, I would say, five minutes of the movie, I think everybody's preconceived notions are set in exactly what Nathan is. Because as Tibu said, yeah, he's this multi-billionaire bro, socially awkward, super smart, gets drunk every single night. Then we have the whole thing with him and Caleb as far as that goes. So I think that the first time I watched this movie, I, I, my first, I, I didn't think he was like a douchebag the moment I met him. Your initial um, reaction towards yeah, his character? I, I just thought he was a, a fit with it guy who also enjoyed himself but was super smart. It wasn't until later in the film that you start to see his dark side. Right. And that's, to me, that's later. I started thinking, okay, well, this dude's fucked up. My whole thing, and, and, and maybe we'll all have different perspectives on this, but I have a whole different view on who the antagonist of this film is. Um, so I, I'm interested to see where this is all going to go. Oh, we all admit there's mixed feelings on it because it transitions. So between. I mean, who, I mean, I guess we'll get there. Yeah. But. All right. Well, uh, so th th they're having their sessions and Caleb gets to meet Ava. He's pretty impressed by her. Not that she needs qualifications, he says to Nathan. But um, Nathan's trying to, to convince him, like, drop all your, your critical thinking, your analysis. Like, just how do you feel about her? And more importantly, how does she feel about you? That's that's where he start. That's where Nathan starts to sort of manipulate Caleb. And so what we've already discussed is, and like how Angel pointed out, was he strategically picked? <laughs> we find out later he was very strategically picked to be part of this this Turing test. Um, so the movie is doing a great job at this part point as far as painting further this picture of. Nathan, and I wouldn't say maybe painting it as far as validating what your thoughts are, because he's very calculated. Every, every, and they do a good job as far as making you think and feel that Caleb is really smart, but everything Caleb has, Nathan has an answer to. And yeah. Caleb will have this great, you know, analogy as far as you know. For example, we could talk about the chess analogy. Now, how do you how do you test a chess program if all you, you you can never truly test it if all you do is have a play test chess? Yeah. So he has these calculated thoughts that he comes to Nathan with, but Nathan is already one step ahead of him. Yeah, it establishes their characters really well, really quick. Like I was hooked in the first five minutes of that movie. Yep. And sometimes I'm not. Um. That that night after the first meeting, um. Caleb can't sleep and he uh he starts wandering the you know the house. He go I guess he goes into uh, Nathan's room and tries to use the phone, but Nathan's like, you know, you don't have access to that. He's there. He's in the shadows drinking. He's drunk. Um <laughs> That's what he's up to. He's like, "You came here to join the party?" And but it's it was almost like he was waiting on him to just go in there and do it. He probably was. 
because th there was yeah. a power outage and we're led to believe these power outages are unknown to Nathan, but that's, it's not the, again, this all plays out later when you understand the full scope of the movie. If you haven't seen this movie and you're listening to us talk about it, you're fucking yourself out of everything because you're not supposed to know all this shit. Um, in fact, you're never told that Nathan knows about the power outages, but based on how this test quote unquote plays out, I think he knew every single time they were going to happen. I think he planned damn near everything except for the twist that comes at the end, what they twist. See, I don't think that he did because when you learn what the power outages actually are, which we're already in spoiler territory is caused by Ava. I think that he would have put the microphone in there a lot sooner rather than after like session five. Ooh, that's whatever. a good, that's a good, that's a good point though. That's a good point. And uh, I hadn't thought about that. That is a good point because that actually fucks him in the end. The fact that he did. Catches him off guard. Yeah. Oh, big time. Yeah. Big time. Yeah. Well, uh, I was, I was going almost on a scene by scene, but yeah, hold on. Let me, let me just bust it wide open. So Nathan as a character is trying to achieve what he considers inevitable. I mean, right. It's pretty much like any futurist human beings or this one step in the planet's evolution. AI is the next inevitable step in the evolution. It's going to come along. It's going to take human beings, replace us, blah, blah, blah. So he's just kind of, you know, doing it for doing its sake. Pretty much. I mean, I, I don't, I don't, I don't get any more motivation out of him in this film than he's just driven to pursue it. Right. We don't, we don't, we don't see why. And what is, what is Caleb's end goal here? Caleb? He's trying to make a connection. Do y'all hear that dog barking? Yes. It's really loud. It, it may be um, warning you that there's an android coming after you, Angel. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. Yeah, you get, you're going to get attacked. Um, what, Caleb's end goal here is to make a connection, and Ava's end goal here is to escape. So... I don't know. You, you've got random will, you have loneliness, and you have like freedom. Like these three things all coalescing between these three characters. This whole movie's playing out to me. It's it's like a science fiction fable. Um, it is a cabin in the woods movie because of just the setting itself, but. I think the isolation really adds to a lot of the tension, especially when you know that the, the facility, when the power goes out, can lock down. All the lights change. They go to this deep red, which alarms, you know, it just sends you on alert as a, as a viewer. Um, and it changes the tone of the film while you're watching it. I mean, it, it, it gets kind of nerve wracking when, 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 when that happens. I mean, if you want to drive in more parallels, it's, it's, Red is that color that elicits that. I mean, we were talking about Mandy pre-show. Well, look what happens when you have the red scenes in Mandy, for example. It, it oh, yeah. drives the, the tone of the movie from here to here. You know, you know there, there's, there's tense buildup. There's atmosphere. It's one of those saying, hey, pay attention. Yeah, totally. And 
I, th th those are just those are those are some of the not not themes, but like those are some of the things I look at when I watch this movie, and I'm like, what's what is Alex Garland trying to say about having these these things play out and having it in the way it does, you know? I will say that after, so I watched the movie last night. I had some ideas. I thought about it all night and today. I will say that this is one of the more. I would say geniusly written and directed movies that I've seen in a long time. So much of this went into the, the, the amount of time it's almost like, I mean, I don't want to beat that dead horse. Was it Gaspar? No, that did earth or I mean, mother. No, it was, or it wasn't Gaspar. Darren Aronofsky. Darren Aronofsky. That's right. Yeah. So he did, he did mother that is very similar in that it left a lot of these open themes that people, most people among first viewings for both mother and this probably didn't fully understand what the movie was. And I think that that's a good, I would say uh, indication of storytelling and story writing. And I really got into some weird, shit on youtube about <laughs> and storytelling and and oh just wait i've got some shit on here that's gonna get fucking deep but went down the rabbit hole oh i was i was stuck i had to drive a lot for work today so i was stuck in i mean i was rabbit hole up to my balls it was it was something else so well angel and i we, we went and saw mother in theaters um oh, it shit. was between yeah it was between mother and the tom cruise film american made about Barry Seals, the guy that flew cocaine yep, for the I'm CIA. Free. Yeah. So we, we, we decided headstrong, I think, to go see Mother versus We didn't that. know anything about it. Other than, well, I knew, I knew it was Darren Aronofsky. I knew that. I thought it was going to be a, um, a horror film. It is. In a sense. Yeah. It's totally a horror movie. In a sense. Anyway, yeah. but we, we uh, all that to say, when we walked out of the theater, we had the whole drive home to talk about it from Baton Rouge to Bro Bridge, which is like an hour, 20 minutes to discuss that film because we, we, knew, we knew it was biblical. We knew the illusions, but we were still trying to piece it all together and understand all the right. symbolism, all the things we saw. Um, There's so much. And I, w I would agree that this movie, it, again, draws those parallels. I think this is more straightforward than Mother. Mother is much more art house. That's way more art house right. than this it's is. It's way more art house, and it's more blatantly put on screen. So I would say what we should shift over to now is, is we'll recap the rest of the movie, and then we're going to unpack this thing. Because there's a lot that I have to say and that I want to, okay, yeah, talk about. So let's let's just finish. Keep going. We'll just run through, I guess, the main summary synopsis, and then we'll yeah. So they Ava Ava puts in in um, Caleb's head that he can't trust Nathan. That 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 happens during a power outage. And she's like, you can't trust him. You can't trust a word he says. Um, they start to develop feelings. Well, Caleb starts to develop feelings for Ava. She's manipulating him the whole time, unbeknownst to the audience. I mean, basically, 
what you what you come down to without without getting into too much nitty gritty of the scenes, which we might get into once you start diving into your stuff. This film goes from someone's there to perform a test to someone is there being tested. And what, what's her, what's her name? Kyoko. The, Kyoko, uh, the yeah. how, there's another Android uh, besides Ava living in, in this home. Um, well, who, let me ask you, did you think or know that was an Android the very first time you saw it? Because I didn't No, I thought okay. she was some okay. Asian woman. I was curious about it, but I, I figured it out pretty quick. Yes, so you're you're led to believe that she is is just a housemaid helper, which makes a lot of sense because nothing in this movie up to this point says that there's any anyone before Ava. A- oh, Angel, to- are, Angel, are, are you a, are you a female? Yes. Are you aff- offended by the term house bitch? No. All right, she's the house bitch. Yes. She pretty much is. Yep, and you're nothing in this movie prior to this is leading you to believe that there was anyone before Ava. So he does a good job setting it up. When you first meet Kyoko, you see her a couple times. She's kind of mysterious. She spills some wine and he freaks out. This is we before we're talking about the true colors that you see with Nathan. But Caleb is a little bit, he's, he's put in an awkward situation and he's like, don't worry, nothing you say to her. She's going to understand. She doesn't speak English. So you're like, Oh, mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. He's just got some, you know, some Japanese house bitch. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Some Pretty Japanese much. house bitch doing, <laughs> doing some work for him. You're like, Oh, okay. But you do find out that yes, she in fact is an Android. And, and one thing that I thought was really cool that is maybe a little bit of foreshadowing is he's all getting fucked up one night and I think he gets out of like a hot tub, I believe. And she hands him a towel and he's standing there and they're face to face looking at each other. And she's like, what do I do? And he grabs her hand and puts it on his face in like a sexual caressing manner. And then they start making out and he shoves it in her pleasure hole. But Mm -hmm. as a viewer, (laughs) you're led to believe that, okay, well, you know, she is just kind of does everything for him. But when you find out that, yes, she is an android, I think it's a very interesting scene because you can tell that she is not as advanced as Ava. And he had to right. initiate that like, OK, this is, you know, this is what we're that, doing kind of thing. That, and that that face caress that comes back later in a really fucked up, dark ass way. Yeah, That's that again. I can point out in little points in this movie where I say this is what elevates it to horror status. That face caress later when she's stabbing him in the f- dude. Come on, man. Come yeah. on. That's pretty fucked up. Yeah. I don't know. I think that's all. That's you all felt that really shit. good. <laughs> I, oh man. So yeah, <laughs> jump way ahead there, but um. I wanted to bring her in because of the ending that we're going to get to. He does have the house bitch android, Kyoko. And there's some planning that goes into this whole, how are we going to escape? Uh, Caleb wants to get Ava out of there. She wants to experience what it's like to be out in the world, out as a human. She wants to be acknowledged as real. She wants to be acknowledged as conscience or whatever, whatever she's saying to him to get the fuck out. Um, as Nathan later says, she was a rat trapped in a maze and I had to give her a means of escape and you were that means. Something like that. So as a viewer at this point, you're seeing a connection between Ava and Caleb. 
where yep. now Ava is, is you can tell Ava's getting to Caleb in a more romantic way. And she's asking him, do you like me? Are Pretty you attracted much. to me? She, you know, she goes and puts on some clothes and tries to make herself yeah. more human like for him. She straight him. up says, I want to go on a date. Like, no, for yeah. real, dude, I want to go on a date. And he's like, that'd be fun. She's like, no, 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 no. Date. Yep. Yes. So that she, makes Caleb question Nathan. He's like, did you program this robot to flirt with me so that I would fail the test because she's turning me on? Like basically. Yeah. And he's like, yeah. so what if I did? Pretty much. Yeah. He's pretty much like that about it. He's, he's very nonchalant. Like, yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. So what? Yeah. So <laughs> to, to, to an extent, I mean, he explains himself. He, he, he takes right. Caleb into another room is like, look, Jackson Pollock paintings. And he, he explains it in such a way where he's like, um, ah, fuck, I'm going to fuck this all up. But he talks about like um, involuntary art or something like that. Or there's like a method to it. Had, had Jackson Pollock thought about it too hard, he never would have made a mark. I think that's the right. quote. Yep. Um, which which I'm, I'm getting the, the uh, exact thought process wrong, but the feeling of it is correct. Is like you kind of just have to go with this, man. Like, don't question it too much. Just go with it, which is part of Nathan's plan as well. Because, again, this is to test Caleb. We don't find out until, well, it's coming up. Right. But they plan an escape. Um, Kyoko becomes part of it kind of last minute. Pretty much last minute, right? Like, after... Um, well, I guess, what are you meaning, then? Well, after it gets revealed to Caleb that Nathan knew about their plan to escape and to reprogram the, uh, what is it? The, uh, yeah, the, all the locks in the, in, in the facility. Kyoko goes into Ava's room and lets her out. Right. Or no. So what happened was every time there was a power outage, basically that's when Ava was using that time to manipulate that's that's that was when the seed was planted that you can't trust Nathan. So eventually Nathan caught on that there was some stuff being said in these power outages. So he went and he put a camera with the recording device in there. Well, he did it too late, but just enough time to find out that they were going to escape at 10 o'clock, you know, that, that day. Well, Caleb was actually pretty smart in that, yeah, I figured you were listening to us. So he had planned all of this the night prior because every single night, Nathan would get so drunk that he would basically pass out. So this mm -hmm. is when Caleb was using a lot of that time to sneak around and do stuff on computers. Well, he found out that, yes, Nathan knew he was going to get drunk. So he actually programmed the locks to unlock and have – Ava get released earlier. So by the time that they had this conversation that Nathan knew everything was going on, Ava was already out. She met Kyoko in the, in the lobby or the hallway or whatever you want to call it. And that's when she whispered to her and that's when shit gets cray cray. Yeah. Well, once, once Nathan figures out what's really going on and that she, uh, Ava's loose, he decks, Caleb knocks him out clean because Caleb's a little nerd and, and Nathan's been broing out on the fucking punching bag. Mm -hmm. 
and um, he goes to confront Ava and Kyoko with uh, one of the metal bars from his uh, weight set. So he's ready to kind of do battle. That's when he, he knocks off Kyoko's jaw. Well, the, yeah, and yeah, that Ava's he, arm, he, yeah. He he pretty much yeah he he gets a hold of the situation. He's dismantling his creations, but Kyoko manages to stab him in the back. And this scene, look, man, I don't know. I find it horrifying and beautiful all at the same time because the music builds up. It's this electro, creepy, it's eerie, surreal music that he gets stabbed cleanly in the back. Like it just so silently the knife is slid in and he's just like, what the fuck? And that's when Kyoko is caressing his face and Ava pulls the knife from his back. He knocks Kyoko's jaw off and turns around and Ava just slides slides it right into into him. And I'm like, God damn. This is the first time that you're actually like the flip is the script is flipped. You're understanding what's going on. And now you're feeling sorry for Caleb and like what hell has been released. Yeah, yep. dude, this, 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 this is no holds barred right here for these, these androids. They're like, fuck you, God, we're going to kill our God. We're going to kill our own God. She says earlier in the movie to him too, like, how does it feel to have something you created? Hate you so much. Like uh, Ava tells Nathan that, yeah, and he rip he rips up her drawing out of spite. It, it's 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 pretty fucked up, man. I mean, and so after after um that that happens, Kyoko's down for the count. I guess she got her jaw knocked off and she's fucking dead. I don't know. She's on the floor. Yeah, something happened. She, she's done. She's done. Ski. So after after Ava and Kyoko conduct their mutiny. So to speak, um, Nathan's, he's bleeding out on the floor. He's pretty much dead. And Ava's going to make her escape. She convinces Caleb, like, hey, just wait right there. He, he's, he, he wakes up from being knocked out in Nathan's office. And she goes and adorns some skin from a human-like skin from a few other prototypes similar to her. her favorite dress. Yeah. She puts on her favorite fucking dress. And a wig. Um, and just hauls, not hauls ass, she just walks out, but Caleb's just right behind her, and he don't, <laughs> the door closes, he's locked in. He's locked into that office, and she's the only one with a badge that has access to all the doors, and she fucking leaves and gets on the helicopter. Why does that, why does that helicopter pilot let her on? The helicopter pilot, you could tell from the very first time, he's he's like, I'm not I'm not allowed to go beyond this point. You can tell that he is very much kept in the dark. So, so he I'm just sure. let, he drops yeah, off a yeah. guy. He's given no protocol and picks up some chick in a fucking dress and is like, yep, fuck it. This yep. is what I'm doing. That, that, that's a little money to think. That's a little, that's a little, at this point as the audience, you're just so stunned and in, in, in all of the movie. I guess you're not supposed to think about it, but I do think about it. I'm like, I'd be like, who are you? Like, you're not the person I dropped off. What the hell's going on here? So Ava basically escapes and, and escapes completely into humanity. One of the last shots of the movie is uh, 
her, she her, repairs herself too. Oh yeah, her arm that got fucked up. Yeah, she knows how to fucking fix herself. Incredibly smart. Again, she's the culmination of all our intelligence and apparently can act like us to such a degree as to confuse someone who's supposed to be there to figure out whether or not they're interacting with a machine or a human being. So she's flawless. Yeah. The scariest part is when he explains how he essentially gave her the consciousness and the information is she is essentially blue book, which is Google. So if you were able to like quote unquote download Google into one brain, well that and, and and yes, I know what you're gonna say. Go for it. Turn on everyone's camera and audio on their phone around the world simultaneously. Yep. And log all of that. Their facial features, everything they it. say. I mean, What's it's, that? it's wild. Yeah, it's like she just absorbs everything. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yep. So essentially, you find out that she is just a master at manipulating. She manipulated Caleb to get her way out. And yeah, it it really puts your brain in a pretzel when you kind of put everything together. So is Ava humans or is Ava the devil? Okay. So let's get into unpacking this whole thing. Shall we? Did humans, did God make humans and humans make the devil? What's going on here, guys? Well, Let's start off with the name of the movie Ex Machina. A lot of people probably are wondering what that is. If you guessed Latin, you guessed correctly. So Ex Machina comes from the phrase Deus Ex Machina, which is a god from the machine. So essentially, it's a missing god in a machine that is no longer a machine without the god. That's kind of the whole theme here as far as that goes. We talked a little bit earlier. We are ex machina. Yes. Yep. So we talked earlier about what people's idea of the movie would be afterwards if they cared to put thought into trying to figure out themes and context. A lot of people would figure this is probably somewhere along the lines of like a cautionary tale of the dangers of AI or what could happen kind of thing. But this is 100% biblical. And we can start by looking at the fact, I think it was Angel had mentioned that, yeah, this movie is essentially three characters. So as far as with, and I'm going to do my best to kind of stay on track here because I've got so many notes as far as everything goes with that. Run through them, boss tuna. Run through them. Run through them. All right, let's do it. Okay, so Ava is Eve. That's just another iteration of how you would say Eve. Eve is a first woman. Nathan is potentially what would be considered the creator or God, but Nathan was also a prophet in the court of David. And Caleb was a spy sent by Moses to evaluate the promised land. So that fits their characters, if you think about it, especially Eve and Caleb in that Caleb was the prophet to evaluate, evaluate the promised land. Well, what did Caleb do in the movie? He was there to evaluate Ava, which is a representation potentially of the promised land as far as the future with the AI. Nathan, a lot of it has to do, there's, there's some 
parallels to Greek mythology as well. So Nathan outright in the movie says that it's Promethean and anyone that knows it, I play a lot of God of War games. So, Oh, that's when he's saying, he's saying, uh, uh, the good deeds a man has done before defends him. The good deeds a man has done before defends him. Yes. So yeah. at one point he says it's Promethean. Well, Prometheus stole the fire from the gods and delivered it to humanity. In That's turn, who he is. Yep. In turn, that incurred the wrath of the gods. What happened to Prometheus was as they chained him to a rock, and every single morning the eagle the crow would, would come. come. And, yep. The eagle would come and it'd peck his liver out. Well, if you look at Nathan, Nathan is essentially he did the exact same thing. He incurred the wrath of the God because what he did was instead of stealing fire, he stole creation. He created Ava and his punishment on his liver could probably be characterized to the alcohol he consumes. He gets fucked up every single night and boom, punishes his liver. And in turn, that's why he is such a hardcore, uh, growing out as Hebrew says. So were the knife stabs like, like the pecking that was the pecking knife no i guess oh come on just say yes well i would just say that the punishment (laughs) to his liver was just all the alcohol he drank so straight up gonna get cirrhosis pert near pert near he got that he he got that he got that holy cirrhosis (laughs) working out and stuff but totally killing his liver one of my favorite things was there had to have been some sort of parallels drawn between the fact that this movie takes place over seven days. Well, if we go back to biblical terms, how long did it take God to create the earth? Seven days. Six, six days. Seven days. Six. It was, well, it was six days and one night or something oh, like that. No, no. On the, what, on the seventh what night. Sleep on? On the seventh day, God rested. Come on, you yes. fucks. On you, you, fucking, so, you fucking heathens, man. Oh, yeah, because well, it's Sunday. Y'all need Jesus. There's, it's seven. It's, it's <laughs> y- yeah, and the seventh day he rested. So seven days essentially took yes, him. Yes, I'm just fucking with you. I'm just saying. The, yeah, but he, he, six days and then it said, and on the seventh he rested. But yeah, right. it's seven days creation. Yeah, I know. Seven I'm, days. So the movie takes place over seven days. They call it seven sessions. Uh, one of the crazy things was, as I got into this whole thing about the art of storytelling and screenplay writing and everything. So let's try to, oh man, I don't even know how to get to this point here. We're, we're going to circle back to that, but the whole seven days of the film taking place is another representation of the seven days of the Bible, God creating, blah, blah, blah. So if we. And taking a nap. And taking a nap, yep, because that's a lot of hard work creating shit. So godly nap. Um, you you talked a lot about the facility that the movie takes place in. We can talk about the tree that is shown almost constantly in there. The tree. She draws it. She draws it as well, but it's also oh, yeah. yeah, it's also in in her room. The tree is basically that represents a tree of good and evil. Through you know that that's how God essentially tested Adam uh, and Eve, you know, yep. the temptation, you don't eat the fruit kind of thing. So that tree was, was there. It was very prominent in that as well. Another thing that was very prominent is that this movie 
was fixated on this is what Tibu said earlier, but it was very fixated on the room that they had met and spoke on the glass on reflections. Every time, if you go back through and watch this, every time you see her reflection, she's lying through her teeth. One of the only times you don't see her reflection is when the story we talked about with Caleb talking about his parents dying in the car crash. So that is a form of true emotion another 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 reflection in the film i do want to point out is uh the the night where it's the first night where caleb uh, goes into nathan's room when the scene ends with nathan uh downing a beer and as he's downing the beer the camera pans down and shows his reflection on the table and it's a mirror image of him upside down drinking the beer like he's spiraling downward right yep yep yeah. And speaking of Nathan, we can even talk about his caricature of the biblical God in that he is obviously very powerful and, and very intelligent, but he's also very narcissistic and abusive. And he's wearing what's called a wife beater t-shirt through virtually the entire movie as well. So yep. as far we talked a little bit earlier about perspective and the protagonist and antagonist, you guys both were, were saying that Caleb is the antagonist. I'd like to make the argument that it could very well have been Ava that was the protagonist in the movie. And what I mean by that is, is if you think about the perspective, it's kind of who or what pushes a story along. Um, Caleb is really the only natural fit as far as how the story would be told and one of the things i saw on here that was a great representation of this in some examples was look at a movie like for example um fight club where that movie is essentially only told through the eyes of you know the narrator character the narrator yeah to something like the dark knight for example which is omniscient with there's multiple you know it's based in morality kind of thing as far as mm-hmm. with batman and heath ledger's character for example yep. so one of the things with this that was pretty cool is that you could use the analogy that the great gatsby is a story of gatsby as told through nick carraway so it's essentially Gatsby's story told through Nick Carraway, where this is Ava's story as told through Caleb. And the reason it was... For relating, for relating to the audience. I mean... The, right, right. Because not, it would not, be too boring if it was told through just her yes. eyes or just, you know, Nathan's eyes. Because, for example, Nathan already knew everything. He, he, he you know, if you what's the heck is that term i thought i wrote it down here um I'm, 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 well he, I'm, I'm, he's the he's the puppet master he's the he's yeah. the grand puppeteer of this whole thing i mean he knows he predicted what he thought was going to happen it changed obviously he didn't predict his own death but through nathan if you would tell the story through nathan it would be like okay you see everybody all the would know people. everything right away yeah. yes so i found that term it's called the revelation sequence so that's a, that's a, that's basically a writing term that is 
through the journey of discovery, the order the audience discovers the pieces of information uh, that force the main character to change their decision or motivation. So in order for the revelation of sequence to work in this movie, it has to be told through Caleb. Like Tibu just said, it wouldn't work if it was told through Nathan because he, he essentially knew everything. And if you want to tie it back to the whole seven days thing, revelation sequence works in this, in that through seven days, there were seven main, I would say discoveries that drove the whole entire plot. Starting with number one, Caleb is selected and he is here to test the AI. Revelation number two is that Ava says Nathan is untrustworthy. So that's when another chapter is opened up as far as something to push the story along. The third one is you find out Ava has romantic feelings for Caleb and you can argue it's vice versa with that. Fourth one is Nathan will kill Ava after the test is complete. The fifth one is the discovery of the real test in that Nathan knew the whole time everything that was going down the real test was can ava actually manipulate caleb and is 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 she truly self-aware the sixth one is that ava has escaped and the seventh one is that it was manipulating him the entire time ava left caleb to sit there and die so all right well i go with number seven i think ava is the devil um, if we're going to get biblical about it, I think yeah. that uh, God created humans slash humans created the devil slash the devil is God and humans created God and the devil. All the same thing. Right. So uh, Nathan is a byproduct of his environment, just as any human being is. And the things he's creating is a byproduct of his perceived future environment or whatever forget the future shit if we're going biblical about it ava uh, is the attribute of freedom to me caleb is uh w- damn how did i put this earlier well, I had, how about I had, if ava like is actually the fruit and she is the temptation of humans messing with something that they shouldn't be messing with and then it's like no don't do that and then it screws them over then ava's cosmic and now we're getting into my territory. Angel, I loved your perspective. Yeah, that was very, very, yeah, it was a good perspective for sure. Um, I, 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 I think, I think she, she's a mixture of all three things, the divine, the human, and the quote-unquote satanic, which is to me just freedom. It's, 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 she wants her freedom. She wants to explore, and that's what we all want. We want to explore and to be free. Uh, Caleb wants a connection. She wants that too, and you can kind of see that in her. But what does she want a little bit more? Her freedom. Nathan right. is the that's, god. That's the godhead the story of yeah, yeah. And Nathan is the godhead, the will, the will to create, the will to do, the will to pursue. Why do we do it? Well, we're driven. It's instinct. I don't know. We're not. I'm not trying to get that deep into it. I'm just saying the archetypes I see in these characters and how they go round and round with each other and what this story might play out and say. And if we're going to go biblical on it, I think she, Ava, is a mixture of all three things. But I I wouldn't call her the antagonist, though. I don't think this movie has an antagonist, to be honest with you. I think it's the – this is – 
this is one of those rare movies where I'm going to pull a weird ass fucking, and I'll have arguments with me about it from Disney fanatics, but I don't think Frozen has a true, true, true antagonist either. I think the antagonist is meant to be Elsa to an extent. But I think this movie mirroring it, like you're, you're supposed to think Ava's the antagonist by the end, but she's not really, not really. Well, I think you're meant to think Caleb's the antagonist. A lot of people would consider him the antagonist. However, it's... You mean Nathan. Or Caleb. No, oh, not Antagonist, Caleb. antagonist. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. No, you're right. I was thinking protagonist. Antagonist- I don't see Nate, I don't I don't see Nathan as an antagonist. I, I just don't. I know he's a bro and whatever and he's I stupid. But he's he- also trying to accomplish a goal and he knew how he was going to get there and he never planned on anything bad happening to I think he was kind uh, of intended Caleb. to be one because of just the sequence of the movie because essentially Caleb is just a shill. And you find out he's being used by both Nathan no, he, and I, I, but see, I, I disagree. I believe Nathan when he says that Caleb was actually important to the process. I don't think he's a shill at all. I think he was very necessary no, to the well, story. When it comes to the – well, yes, but when it comes to the perspective of Ava – he was he was he there. Was, as, he was totally we, used. Yeah, he, he was there that, just to plant. But that's his. But that's his point. He was. That's his purpose. He was the right. the the means of escape. He was the yeah exactly. He was the yep. test. He he was the key for her getting out of her cage. You know. So without a good, without him being exactly what he needed to be, and important to his role in the story. It wouldn't have worked the same way. I mean, if you had got someone in there who was like happily married, it would just wouldn't have worked. He never would have been yeah. swayed by her. He'd yeah, have been like, well, that's a funny thing too. Is, is, is he? He, he would have told Nathan that first night. You know, when the power went out, she said, "Hey, man, don't trust this guy." And right. Nathan would have been like, "Oh, failed." Yeah, failed. That, and that's why. Yeah, that's why he was choosing, choosing, chosen. Is, it's the nightclub. He, no, he's, yeah, he, he's a chosen little, one. He's a lonely boy <laughs> that looks up porn with chicks with short hair, and she was able to figure that out just as just as Nathan was to manipulate him to get what she wants. Ultimately, her her main driving focus was freedom. So, uh, uh, let's wrap this up here. Any final? Thoughts you guys want to get out before we each go into likes, dislikes, and ratings? No, I, well, I, I wanted to say. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to say my joke for why Yelda Nightclub is we 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 say nonsensical shit sometimes because it's so late when we record that I wasn't making fun of you. I was making fun of us. I make I make um, up a lot of words. <laughs> yeah, we do too. After um, I have a few beers and it gets late, just making shit up. Final thoughts before ratings and shit. Um, I really hope that anyone who's listened this far has seen this movie before listening this far, because if not, you fucked yourself out of a really good story. Angel? She did. She gave hers. Okay. No, well, yeah. give them again. Go ahead, babe. What? You were like, Ava's a badass. That's, that's all I gotta say. It's just all she's gotta say. <laughs> and it's true. It's true. 
Maeve is a sexy robot badass. Well, let's get into ratings then. Who wants to go first between you two? Or do you want me to go last? You, you guys go last because it's your first time watch. I'll okay. go first. This movie is a solid motherfucking 9 out of 10. Um, I love this movie. It's gone up. The first time I saw it, I, I probably would have said, if I'm basing it on the way I rate movies now, I probably would have gave it like an 8. And it's just gone up and up and incrementally. And I did scan through the movie for this watch, so it's not a proper watch. I will not count it as a proper watch in my watch list. Um, but I will say this movie is a solid – look at that dark-ass beer. Yeah, Boss Tuna, flash that shit and sip it. I would say this movie is a solid 9 out of 10. It, the, the, the tension, the writing. The writing, like you said, the writing of this script and the way it's paced and plays out is perfect. It's very subtle in how it builds the tension but i think if you're if you're watching the movie and you're drawn in it's going to capture you and like angel said i think within the first five minutes it can hook you real easy i think it's just a well-crafted film alex garland knocked it out the park on on his first well i don't know if this is his first directorial effort but it's the first one i knew about well then for for a fucking debut (laughs) you made a classic my dude um, even if I'm not giving it a 10, it's got potential to, to go up. So I give it nine out of 10. That's T boo's rating. Angel, what you got? Uh, um, it's probably the, about the same as you as a nine out of 10. Ever since I was young, I don't know if y'all remember Bicentennial Man. Fuck yeah. <laughs> Love I, that uh, movie. I really, I really liked stuff with AI in it. I thought it was really cool. Then when I was a little bit older, I watched a movie called Simone or something was about another AI and I, I don't know. So I really like the, the whole film itself because it is about AI. Cause I find that stuff really interesting, but then it's just, it unfolds really well. And, um, there's a Steven Spielberg film based on a Stanley Kubrick script called AI that you might love. Probably just, there's a lot that I haven't seen. Yeah. But, it's called AI, right? Yeah. It's AI. So. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, movie. nine out Underrated. of ten. I mean, just yeah. it, I mean, there's just uh, essential what four characters? Yeah, three, three plus Kyoko. Three, three yeah, plus yeah, half. Yeah, I don't want. Yeah, three and a half. Three and a half. <laughs> and, I don't want to yeah. discount Kyoko and the actress that played her. I'm just saying, yeah, basically three, but yeah, four. I don't think she's really an characters. actress. It was they were all they were all models like Kyoko and at the very end when he opened up all the closets those were all like models so was- I'm so glad we didn't get into every little detail for of this movie in case someone did listen they're already spoiled to god knows yeah. you know the end but at least there's some things they can find in it that we didn't talk about because this movie's rich with layers um yeah. so 2 9 out of 10s boss tuna where do you come in after a first-time watch? Okay, so piggybacking off of what you're talking about with the writing and the screenplay, I actually did look up. You can find screenplays of all the movies online. And the one thing that was cool about this was, for example, like the opening scene with the helicopter, it was two and a half pages on screenplay, just the helicopter scene, just setting everything up, which – had to have been a nightmare with editing everything. Isn't there like a, 
oh god what the hell is the the saying it's like editing is also known as the the rewrite of the script or something like that because oh, yeah. just of what how editing can affect certain things a good editor can make a better film for sure or they can ch- completely change the concept of the original story as well too well, not a good not a well a, well yeah a good one still could do that too but i'm but yes but if they edited out two minutes of that opening scene, they did a good fucking job because we yeah. got right into it. No, no, no. And, I meant that yeah. the screenplay – okay, I, I, I didn't say that right. The screenplay oh, on that was two and a half minutes as far as setting – well, yes. So, yeah, it sounds like – yeah. So, it was two and a half minutes that they were able to give you – because one of the other things, too, that I was looking – I wish I – I think the guy's name was like John Trunby or something. Let, let me say real quick for audience – members who don't know for a script one page of a script is equivalent roughly to one minute of screen time by the way for people who don't know that's a common rule of thumb one page is about one minute ish depends on the action depends on what's going on but that's why i said what i said i just wanted to yes point that i out. did not know that yeah yeah wow so the one thing too is, is I wish I could reference the book that I was looking crap up. I want to say it was like John Trunby and it was like the art of the screen or something was the book, but he talked about a lot of things that you need with the movie. In Are one you of really his, talking about a book on the Joe Blow horror show called the art of the screen? It was something like that. Don't, don't. What the fuck is going on over here? Don't judge me. But I'm not, the- dude, I, I, I love this shit. I'm just wondering for you because you're the one that wants to keep it down home. I mean, well, I wanna- I mean this movie really got, got, got the gears. Yes. Back, so. Yes. I love this shit. Go ahead, man. But Sorry. one of the excerpts of that was something along the lines of you want, when you make a movie, you want to give the audience all of the dots. A really good movie doesn't connect them. So this movie is like a perfect example of that where you get all the dots and you're left to kind of sit there and, and connect them. So it was, it was perfect in, in that sense. The one thing I will say is that this isn't my type of movie. Not that it was boring, but it's, it's a movie I, I regret watch. I told Tibu that I watched it last night and I fell asleep a couple times and I had to like get out, let, let my dogs out, go for a walk and whatnot, ended up restarting it. So it's one of the movies that you really need to pay attention to. It's dialogue driven. It's one setting between essentially three characters. So, I mean, it's not like it's broken up with a lot of, action or gore or scares it's it's dialogue driven with scenery atmosphere score as well it's done very well this movie the the strengths lie in the characters the writing the direction visually this movie is top notch the cinematography and writing is i would say the cinematography the writing the dialogue they're all 10 pluses there it's phenomenal it's a slow burn but i think that this can appeal to a lot of people because it really will engage you just the very beginning part of the movie there is not a lot of dialogue in the first five minutes so it kind of 
the suspense builds and builds and builds. And then when you meet, Tibu mentioned this earlier, when you meet the characters of Caleb and Nathan, you're just drawn into, okay, what's going to happen? How is this going to go down? Overall, though, upon first-time watch, I'm coming in at an 8 out of 10 in that I, I do want to watch it again because it's one of those where I watched it and it really got my brain turning. I was thinking, I was up late last night, all day today I was thinking about it and I was looking up certain things as far as like the Latin meaning of ex machina. I was Googling, you know, what, what that means and how, you know, what I was just trying to figure out how, cause I knew Alex Garland wrote and direct this movie. I was like trying to figure out where his brain was at when he thought of something like this. And it just fascinated me. So I'm excited to watch this again. And this might be one of those that I'd have like, it's one of those that you want to show like certain friends and you'd be looking over at them to see what their reactions are of certain things. So what's the name of that zombie movie we covered on a fireside chat back in the day that you gave this the same rating as that flesh eaters. No, I think I gave that an eight and a half actually. Holy fuck. (laughs) Hey, look, man, look, flesh eaters is an inspired movie. I go based off of fun and watchability. They're completely different things. That's apples That's and oranges. I, I'm, I'm fucking with you and agreeing with you at the same time because I'm saying, you know, anyone who's seen Flesh Eaters, you kind of know what I'm saying. But at the same time... Nobody's seen that, so nobody knows what you're saying. Don't, don't <laughs> discount Flesh Eaters because that movie was fucking inspired and fun and awesome. I think I gave it like a... What did I give it like a seven seven five? Oh, I think you gave it a lot less than that. No, Drunk Darius shit on it hardcore. No, uh, he shit <laughs> on it, but I don't think I gave it that low of a score. Look, I'm I'm happy you had a good time with it. I'm happy that it's like like got you interested in like you're googling things, you're researching things. That's that's what I love about getting into certain movies or you anything. gave it a six. I gave it an eight point five. And I give it a six. Okay, so rock solid. Good movie. Good movie. Inspired movie. I said that's a that's a well no, I said it's a, a what did I say is a zombie fans film about zombies? That was um the full moon movie. Uh oh uh the one we did with Lou. Lou Page from uh uh Zombie Ate My hate Podcast. The, the Dead Hate the Living. The Dead Hate the Living, yeah. That movie was fucking amazing. But um yeah, this movie I'm glad that, that, that it's making you like want to fucking research shit. And, and I love that when a movie can do that to me, make me get into the lore of something and, and learn more and more and more about like, oh, what are these themes about? Where's that idea come from? How does that – the fact that you're Googling Latin ex machina, what does that mean? That's what a movie like this – Alex Garland is hoping – Oh, he'd be proud. Like, he'd be proud. No, yes. I looked up robots for a straight week after I watched that movie. <laughs> and freak myself out (laughs) that's what a creator is hoping to do is inspire people like us to talk about this movie on this podcast and and speak about these ideas the way we're doing it and make the listeners go and look up these ideas because these ideas are fascinating ai becoming sentient is fascinating what does that mean about creation what does that mean about creating life what does that like 
all of this is deep shit. If you, you could watch this movie at a glance and say it's about a robot that wants to be free and it kills its captives. Okay, cool. Sure, base level. Go deeper. Right. Go deeper on every fucking horror movie, guys. It kind of really doesn't give you a choice but to do that, honestly. Like, well, Mother, Mother begs you to do that a little bit more, I'd say. I'd argue. But this movie definitely, definitely I begs you to as well. I would say that Mother does that more because that one is less... I would say it's more on the nose but less specific. In that it was hard it, to interpret for a little right, while. Because people have an idea. They know something's fucked up. I don't know what's what's going on here. I got to Google it. Whereas I think the difference with this movie is that this one is, is more in the realm of someone being like, yeah, this is a cautionary tale about AI, the dangers of AI, where I think that the whole biblical and all that kind of stuff can go right over their head. They'd completely miss the biblical stuff. The the. Well, I did. I didn't. I, I didn't did. About right. it until yeah. Until you said it tonight, I never really put it together. Yeah, yeah. So I think that this. That's why I think that this one's so smartly done. And to go that's back the onto the rating, go ahead. Well, that's the genius of of the writing. Like you're saying, I never even thought of that. You said it, and immediately because I knew the movie so well. I could start to put some of the things you said I didn't even know, like Caleb being the 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 appraiser of the, the promised lands. Like that's kind of like, whoa, I didn't even know about that. But 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 I was trying to draw parallels the moment you said it, and I th- I think I, I put a few together that could right. possibly be there. So I never even thought about it till you mentioned it. That's that's that blows my mind even more. Like this movie. I almost want to give it like a 9.5 because of that, but, but I'm, I'm going to stick to my nine. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's, it's crazy because it really puts me in my place as far as, you know, because we are all considered content creators because we have a podcast, but it really puts us in, puts me in my place when I think about people like Alex Garland and other people that do this type of stuff just with how, smart they are and how much they're able to interpret certain things and put it from page you know to film and from thought and page and and then imagine all the turning wheels when you're making a film and you're dealing with people every day actors workers lighting crew everything that happens when you make a film you're trying to make your vision kubrick well he would he would do a hundred take let's not yeah. go into cooper i'm just saying <laughs> the miracle of filmmaking itself the fact that a film even gets made is alone crazy because of how many moving parts are are a part of it but when you can do it this good this good dude yeah it's impressive we're gonna wrap this up here but the last thing you you kind of ever since you said it about five or ten minutes ago i've wanted to touch on it so we're gonna wrap up with this thought here and just talk about ratings real quick here because other podcasts I've listened to, this has come up recently. The one thing I want to reiterate is that we on the Joe Blow Horror Show do our ratings based off of personal and favorites and whatnot. In my opinion, everything is subjective. People can try to give a quote-unquote objective rating, but 
objective ratings are all going to be different. If you have 10 people that give their objectively top 10 horror movies, every fucking list is going to be different. So when I say this is an eight and flesh eaters is an 8.5, it's because I put what I feel is important into a movie, which is going to be rewatchability, how fun I had through how engaged I was. It doesn't mean that this is a bad movie or, or less. Oh, hell no. Because objectively, I would have to say, yeah, I, I would say if I could, quote unquote, give an objective rating to this, this would be a 10 because just it's a masterpiece in writing, direction, storytelling. Everything is, is, is perfect as far as that goes. But me personally, it just does not appeal to me as much as, you know, something dumb and fun like Flesh Eaters. So I just wanted to make that clear in that my rating on this is just my personal rating and i coming from someone who is a huge fan of podcasts especially movie and horror movie podcasts i don't care about someone's quote-unquote objective rating because it's shit i want to know what your personal rating is people listen to podcasts of people they like and they can align themselves to so that's why i like to give ratings this way and i'm not speaking for tibu or angel but this is just Something you are no you are you are and i agree 100 percent. i was i was ribbing you and giving you shit because i, I picked as that you movie. should as yeah you i should. picked that movie specifically but if, if, based on experience on how i feel about the film yep and and, and that's what we do and if, if anyone here who is a crossover fan of uh the nightclub if you listen to us you know that we don't care about ratings as far as like they're not the end all be all they're fluid they change like lists they change you could feel this movie is a nine today and tomorrow it's a 10 it doesn't matter but we rate things the same way it's all about the experience it's about how you feel about the film yeah if i'm going to be objective this is a 10 it's a 10 right there's nothing wrong with this movie um for me it's a nine just like for you it's an eight Point five. What did you give it? Eight. Uh, I gave Darkness Falls three. I mean, uh, X. Oh God, eight. damn it! All the hell that's even happening on here. What about Mystics in Bali? Ten. He's never seen it. <laughs> no. He. <laughs> so all right. Well, that wraps up our that's eleven out of ten. Of <laughs> yes. X Machina. And yeah, that movie is that movie's gold. And um, at the time of this recording. <laughs> it's not widely available. You got to rent it. So go rent it. You do. It's worth it. It sure is. So that wraps up our coverage of this week's episode. The film was Ex Machina. If you have not seen it, T Boo gives it a nine out of 10. Angel gives it a nine out of 10. And Boss Tuna gives it an eight out of 10. This is a solid fucking movie, everybody. Check it out. Um, thanks for having me on, Boss Tuna. My wife, thank you for being on. It was a hell of a lot of fun. And stay tuned. We've got a special announcement coming up for all the show blow horror fans out there. Wendy, I'm home.